Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. What? Yeah! Happy, happy hour, bitches. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, what a week. A lot of legal bombshells. A lot of COVID fatigue. Ugh. Just, we are ready to blow. Mm-hmm. A lot of shit show. Yes. We have, and you know what? We could not celebrate with two better people. Eamon Mohadeen, I got to do his show last uh, weekend mm-hmm. on MSNBC. Yep. He, uh, it was a great conversation. Someone from his hometown, as you probably know, was yeah. one of the uh, terrorists that died. Yep. Um, sorry, don't know if I'm not supposed to call her a terrorist. She was one of the capitals, you know. Rioters, insurrectionists mm-hmm. that uh, were killed. But uh, she, it, it, the story of how she was radicalized and yeah. how quickly and from his hometown is fascinating and just goes to what's happening in America right now. Mm-hmm. now there's two sets of facts. The, well, there's one set of facts, one set of lies, right? The Joe Biden won the election. The COVID is, uh, you know, serious. The vaccine isn't, it, the COVID's not a hoax. The vaccine works, et cetera. Right. Um, that and uh, Beth Lapidus, who is the godmother of alternative comedy here in LA uh, it has a great new um, audio book audio book yeah. out and she uh, us talking about COVID and the effects for the last couple of years on people's lives mm-hmm. uh, her, it's called so you need to decide yeah. just the decisions we've all had to make in the last couple of years fascinating we love her mm-hmm. it, I have to say one of the best happy hours ever I'm just gonna say I think I'm so just gonna say solid it. I'm solid. just gonna say it I needed this catharsis this weekend <sighs> okay and now I need I need to I I I need some calm the fuck down medicine. <laughs> Go take some. This has been a week. Yeah. Happy happy hour. Enjoy. Yay. Drink up. Plunk, 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 and make a few. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. She's the godmother of alternative comedy. This so-called by the L.A. Times. Beth Lapidus is the creator and host of Los Angeles' legendary storytelling show Uncabaret for more than 25 years. Uncabaret has been the unhobophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynistic, unhacky place for comedy luminaries to tell stories ripped from the headlines of their lives. <laughs> she has a new audiobook entitled So You Need to Decide. 
Godmother, welcome. Beth Lapidus. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I love how you read that. I like that you called me Godfather earlier. Yeah, today. sorry. I apologize. Well, you know, no, we're, loved it. we're fluid it. here at the Stephanie yeah. Show. <laughs> Um, honey, we need comedy more than ever. I just, I hate, I wake up hating everyone. <laughs> it is, right, no. going into year three of this pandemic. You've had so, to adjust, right, with the cabaret. You did, uh, you did Zoom yeah, for a while, for yeah, quite a while, we, right? Yeah, we, you know, we you gotta pivot. Isn't pivoting? We yeah. just pivoted. Yeah, we now are hybrid and we have live shows and Zoom shows. Right. <laughs> scheduled on Friday and we just canceled it and we're going back to Zoom. Yeah. Uh, this I know. It's exhausting, right? I mean, it's... By the way, can I just say uh, two years of lockdown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. single. I, You know, some self-reflection is good, Beth Lapidus. However, too much time for self-reflection. This is it's why... Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> this is why your book speaks to me, because the whole title, So You Need to Decide. I basically have nothing but time just to go over past decisions and past wrong decisions and whatever. Yeah. But, this is why this is fascinating. It's you talking to all your, you know, celebrity and comedian and writer friends. So it's yeah. it's only an audiobook. It sounds fantastic, but you I love how you explained it. How often do you think about the way each of those little and not so little decisions in your life reverberate through your life? How often do you regret a choice you made and wish you could simply choose again? Oh my god. Hello my yeah. last 2 years. But I mean, tell us where how this theme of the book came about because I wonder if a lot of people are going through that kind of self-reflection during COVID. I'm sure we all. I mean, we are. I mean, we are in this giant shift, and if, on a cosmic level, why COVID is here is probably for a shift. If you take the super yeah. long view, um, you know, I wanted. I I actually just wanted to do an audio book. I mean, I specifically wanted to do that because so much of my career, as your career, is about conversation. But I wanted to take a deeper dive and. I'm so, innovation attracts me and I was like it's a new format so I loved that about it so I kind of made a decision about an audiobook first and then I thought well what do I want to talk to people about and the at that point the election was still sort of yeah. you know a year and I thought oh this word decision just came like you know how you get this thing of like a word just comes to you in like shining pulsing you yeah. know lights and um and the word decision and and I just sort of said randomly so you need to decide it was a you know one of those temp titles that just wouldn't go away yeah so you know and then I started to think what I would want to talk to people about and all the big decisions and work and family and love and spirituality and moving ended up being the chapters there were a mm. few other chapters that I thought would be good and they weren't yeah. Um, Interesting. Well, you, yeah, I mean, it basically is described as a funny, heartfelt meditation on the power of decisions, the place for regret, the space for grace. So there is, there's space. I've gone through all of that in these two years. Regret, you know, it yeah. hasn't, by the way, social media doesn't help and several exes falling madly in love does not help. God. It's <laughs> <laughs> not helping various friends. I'm like, everyone's like, no one's finding love in COVID. No one's doing anything. I'm like, how come everybody on my social media... That's either a friend or an ex is during COVID. <laughs> but you're right. So then you have the period of beating yourself up over past yeah. decisions, right? And yeah. then you have a period of, oh, my God, I have to forgive myself or I'm just going to kill myself. I mean, it's yes. just there's depression. There's all of that stuff, isn't there? Yeah. And forgiveness and, you know, forgiving other people in right. order to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. um, reflection. And then sometimes coming to peace with something and taking the long view and seeing how what seemed like a mistake actually led you to 
a place that you never would have imagined getting to, that can happen too. So, you know, I was partly driven also by this sense that we, I know I hear you talking today just about various things, this decision exhaustion, you know, we're all, we make like 35,000 decisions Yes. a day. And with the pandemic, you know, the decisions, every decision about your safety, the just Yeah. this basic vaccine decision, you know, is weighing on people so hard. So Yeah. yeah, so it's very Well, timely. you know, I that's what I was saying. I think in this irregular time, I was I happened to stumble across a cable show where I was like, "Oh, thank God they were saying how how many people are struggling mentally and psychologically and how Yeah. many people need help, you know." Because you do think it's just you. That's that's the great thing about your book and the work you do is, you know, this is a series of intimate conversations that's described with a diverse group of comedians, writers, cultural icons. But no matter who you are, famous or not, a lot of people are doing the same struggling, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, I find what I keep saying is without a like a real present or a future because of COVID lockdown for me. Being single, of course, I'd, all I do is think of my past mistakes and why didn't I make this work and why didn't I make that work? And this is why I'm single at this age. And you go through this thing Do you that see you a know pattern? is self-destructive, Did you? right? I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, did you find a pattern? I mean, have you found something Yes, that you want? I'm an idiot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it well, turns that's. out it turns out the pattern is me. Yes. Being an idiot. But. <laughs> well, that's not true. I mean, yes, I, there's love stuff in here. Baron Vaughn has a great thing about, you know, living with somebody and the differences and Bob Odenkirk. I mean, I know we're also living in a time where people are leaving their jobs You fortunately have a job you love, but we're living in a time where people are in droves realizing that they Yeah. don't work, you know, want to work shitty jobs for Yeah. the Oh, man. oh wow. Oh, You can't oh. say that on the little family radio show, you, you saucy little minx. <laughs> um, people are leaving jobs, and, and Bob Odenkirk tells a story about leaving Saturday Night Live, which seems like, oh my gosh, Right, you mm know, -hmm. right. why would anybody do that? And it's really interesting to hear... about that decision, why the risks people take, the changes people are going to make. Martin Luther King, I was like, oh, it's Martin Luther King Day. What did he have to say about decisions? And he has this great quote. I mean, just classic. I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. So there are Yeah. these underlying decisions that we make that then roll into all these smaller decisions. But I think we live in a culture... You don't. You've made giant decisions in your life. But there's a lot that's happening in our culture where people seem to neglect this groundwork of basic decisions. Well, and I think it's important you talk about the space for forgiveness and grace. Because I, I, I also think I always take time to be grateful, to go, I'm, I, ha I had COVID, thank God I'm okay. Nobody, Yeah. you know, very close Mm -hmm. to me that I love has died of it. So, you know, I, I, I have a job that I love. I have family Yep. Yep. and friends that I love, you know. So even though I'm single, I will sometimes, in Schwarzenegger's voice, say, stop whining to myself. <laughs> but, Well, I but, mean, it's, that decision. but it's true, time for gratitude as well, even though we're in the middle of this pandemic, you know, show. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to be grateful. I mean, so many people were able to, you know, come to peace at home and do nesting. I mean, I, I'm grateful for that, you know, I had Yeah. time here at the house. And I mean, it's been then other people, you know, with I think I'm grateful actually that I don't have kids at home. I mean, that seems like for parents who have children at home, I mean, my heart.
has gone out to those friends. It's mm-hmm. true. We well, I think, oh my god, I'm so lonely. I just have a partner or kids, and then you know, you talk to friends that are like, I'm going to scoop my own eyes out with a melon baller if I have to homeschool for one more day. I hate <laughs> these children; they're terrorists. <laughs> and especially women. I mean, this is yes. why. I mean, some of our struggle that you and I have talked about over the years, yeah. you know. The, for women, this has been a, just a much harder situation. The numbers on the struggle of women, the women who have had to, who have been forced to leave the workplace, um, yeah, it's just uh, awful. Yeah, you know. I listen. I just did MSNBC Saturday night, and I had to endure uh, Twitter comments about my bangs, and I had to do my own hair and makeup and lighting. You understand, <laughs> Beth Lapidus, <laughs> and deal with technology on my own. <laughs> you try doing your own bangs. I mean, when I set up for those Zoom shows, I am so cursing, you know, the internet cords and connections. And I <laughs> no, I always too. think I'm split between DIY and DIVA, you know. <laughs> you have a great story about how when you were starting this project, you had a fantastic conversation with Isaac uh, Mizrahi. And you oh said, you said, okay, we'll go ahead and send the file. And there's just silence. And you realize that nobody recorded it. No, nobody <laughs> recorded it. He, he's a diva. I'm a diva. Nobody pressed play. We just went to a different system after that. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. and he was gracious enough to do the whole thing again we had talked we had one of those like deep dive hour and a half long oh, couple. Oh, oh god no. for us but the second conversation ended up being better so yeah. you know this is um you know space for grace forgiveness i mean can we say on this day the word forgiveness enough yeah Oh, my God, that reminds me of a story my late night show, my disastrous late night show in 1995. We did a parody of nine and a half weeks where, you know, they were smearing all the food on each other mm-hmm. and having sex in front of the refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, seriously, but when you go, oh, this is the most hilarious thing I've ever done. And it was like massive amounts of food and production and whatever. And that was back in the day of actual tape. And they yes. were like, oh, the runner lost the tape. Like, the tape's gone. The tape of that sketch is gone. <laughs> oh, my God. What? No. <laughs> when we did our Uncabaret special, we had the final, I mean, it's still video, you know, actual right. video. And we gave it to the intern or PA or whatever. To, <laughs> right. And he got back at the office. His face was white. <laughs> so I realize now I shouldn't have just left it on the counter. Oh my god! Oh my god! I mean, it um, didn't end in a disaster, but I'll never forget that moment. So <laughs> bad decisions. Yeah. Yes. Bad decisions. You. So you end this piece. You know, you end by saying Lapidus invites us to join her and her friends in reflecting on how each decision changes us, altering our path and creating a wholly new journey. And I. I do try to stay positive like that. Like, you know, they have all those stupid... At least, look at the thing, Chris, I have right there. I know. You just have accessories posters. Just when the caterpillar thought it was over, it became a butterfly. Uh-huh. Right? Sometimes on the way to a mm-hmm. dream, you get lost and find a better... Oh, oh, but that's kind of... I mean, all that stuff has some... That hokey stuff can be true. Yes, you get lost yes. going to one dream and find another one that may be better. Yes, and I can just... In the caterpillar thing, right. people always leave out the part where the caterpillar, in order to become a butterfly dissolves into amino soup goo nothing <laughs> in the time of being a caterpillar and a butterfly there's this very awkward period that i think we are actually that's in. what i'm in that's what i'm in yes you're in the goo period i'm in the goo we are in i'm primordial goo. goo that's what i am thank you beth i knew you'd make me feel better somehow also that does make me feel better <laughs> she is fabulous yes. the book is so you need to decide i cannot wait to uh to listen to it and uh, uh you come on anytime we love you and miss you 
I will. I hope to come back soon. I do miss you desperately. Okay. Yeah. We ran into each other at a party. I got to well, see you in person during COVID. Back when yeah. we thought it was over and it was an outdoor and party with that. masks, right? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Do okay. it again. All right. Mwah. Goodbye, honey. <laughs> Thanks so much. There she goes. The godmother. Yes. Kiss the ring. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Good morning, Eamon. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you. That was a super fun panel. That was really great. I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people enjoyed it as well. It was the first time I think I've spoken to you on TV. So uh, you definitely brought the, a lot of fun, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let me just say, I have been dying to talk to you about your podcast actually for a while. Travis can tell you, before I went on your show, I just said this, because I'm sure you've all of these latest you know, news bombshells as a journalist about January 6th. I'm sure you're doing the same thing we are, keeping up with all this this morning. Yeah. But I mean... The foot soldiers, that piece of it on January 6th and your personal connection to it, I just think is fascinating. So we've all seen the, even if you haven't heard the podcast, if you've seen the ads on MSNBC, Roseanne Boylan hated politics. She was shy. She rarely left her home in Georgia, but then her family got a shocking call. Roseanne had died at the Capitol on January 6th in the middle of a crowd trying to force their way past a police line. Um, From the depths of their grief, the Boylans vowed to figure out what happened to Roseanne. Her brother-in-law, Justin Cave, reached out to an old high school friend he hoped could help, MSNBC journalist Eamon Mohadeen. The quest for truth takes Eamon back to his hometown of uh, Kennesaw. Am I pronouncing Mm -hmm. that right? (laughs) Georgia, where he uh, retraces the last six months of Roseanne's life and picks up a trail that leads to childhood haunts, missing boyfriends, uh, down shadowy internet rabbit holes, American Radical, uh, the five-part series. Eamon, so glad you're able to talk about about this so you didn't know her but you knew justin so tell us how this yeah, all yeah so i so i um my parents moved from the middle east to out of all places uh kennesaw georgia um in the early 90s so that's where we settled when they immigrated to the u.s and i uh, went to high school at north cobb high school um and i knew justin cave we played soccer together we were friends and you know this was pre-facebook pre-social media and so after high school we kind of lost touch with each other. And although every time I'd go back, we would either hear about each other from other friends, uh, Justin and I did not speak uh, and were not in touch until Facebook came along and reconnected us on the internet and on social media. So we reconnected and over the years, we would exchange a message here or two or just kind of follow each other's news. But after January the 6th, I got a message from him, I think on January the 9th, three days later, saying his sister-in-law, Roseanne, was one of those who died in the attack on the Capitol three days ago. He made a statement and then he asked if I wanted to hear her story. What really caught my attention, though, was that he used the word radicalization. He said that the family believes that Roseanne was radicalized in under 
six months. Wow. Wow. And for me, it was just such a jarring word to hear an old friend of mine in high school uh, in Kennesaw, Georgia, use the word radicalization. I, keep in mind, I had spent like 15 years overseas in the Middle East. I've covered extremism and radicalism. I've covered ISIS, Al-Qaeda, terrorism, Europe, all, all that. So, and I, I'm very familiar with the word, but to hear it in the context of January the 6th and a friend of mine in high school was quite eye-opening. And so I immediately replied to him and, and spoke to him and that's how the story began. Well, yeah, and the way... It, it, you, you put it here, it examines the causes for Boland's transformation from politically disengaged to someone who died for Donald Trump. Wow. I mean, how, how tragic is that? And you talk about, you just said it, inside of six months. They've done these studies, Eamon, about, you know, social media, how people can get radicalized so quickly. I mean, tell us a little bit. It's interesting as a journalist, you talk about it, it's, you know, Middle East. I mean, terrorism's terrorism, right? And you were, you, I think you talk uh, in here about how, um, you know, how, well, you talk about she had had a hard life, difficult life. She was a victim of physical abuse. She struggled financially. She had some self-esteem issues. You said, I, so I think she was definitely in that category of destitute. She was definitely a victim of disinformation, and she contributed to it because she consumed a lot of dis misinformation yeah. with her beliefs and conspiracy theories in QAnon. And I think it pivoted when we saw the presence of Trump uh, to include him as a demagogue. He was the person who manipulated and exploited the vulnerabilities of people to try to promise them he could fix their societal ills and the way to do it was to follow him. I mean... Yeah, and, and you bring up a really good point because when I, you know, when I started looking at I was just at quoting the, you, but... Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, you're, it was really good that you focused on that because that is the central theme of, I think, how she was radicalized, which is like this kind of triangle. It's this nexus of... Uh, disinformation, destitution, and demagoguery. Um, and when you look at the, the, the reason why people get radicalized, it falls in that triangle. This is a young woman who had struggled with personal uh, substance abuse and drugs. She had a physically abusive relationship. She had a difficult time getting her life in order and being able to hold a job and take care of herself. Um, and then she was bombarded with this disinformation of here's what's wrong in society. There's a conspiracy theory of Democrats and Hollywood elite trafficking children for, or part of this, you know, uh, uh, satanic worshiping cabal. Ugh. And so what happens is you are ripe for somebody who comes across as a demagogue to say, follow me. I will cure your ills. I alone can fix it. I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody will care. And you start believing the rhetoric of this man saying, if you come with me to stop this deal, I'll stay in power. I will fight this cabal. I will protect the children. I will save the children. And so you see how her transformation from being a person who was not socially, uh, you know, she was she was very mindful of going into places with large crowds. She hated going to Walmart. Right. How do you go from not wanting to go to a Walmart to suddenly being part of a rally of thousands of people going up and clashing with the police? How do you go from somebody who's never voted in their life or being political to consuming news 24 seven, being online for you know, 14, 15 hours a day, disengaging from your family mm -hmm. and, and totally going down this rabbit hole? And I think it's the nexus of the three of them is is what was so um, so dangerous for the family. And you were, you know, drawn to this. You saw the headline family of rioter calls on President Trump to resign or the 25th Amendment to be revoked. So yeah. this is the story of so many friends and family in this country, isn't it? Losing loved ones to this cult. And, and I Eamon, I'm just curious as a journalist. What has happened that we're at this point? It's not like we just we just don't have one set of facts. One 
there's a big segment of the society. I don't know what to call it. It's just crazy. I mean, I don't know what you do when you're interviewing people that think JFK Jr. is coming back and you know, all this other QAnon stuff and that COVID's not real and the vaccine doesn't work and Trump won the election. I mean, what? how do we get here and what do we do about it? So those are two really good questions. And I mean, we can talk about them for hours. And there are probably people who are way more experts at at it than I am. But from what I've seen and what I've learned is two things. We have a disinformation pandemic in this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what we don't have um, is responsible citizenship in the context of information. And what I mean by that is, look, you know, you look at some other countries, certainly third world countries where the media is state controlled. Everybody's getting a certain narrative. Um, and that is confining people to a, a specific viewpoint. In this country, we have our freedoms, which are amazing. We have First Amendment that protects everything that we can say and see and read and write. But with that now, you have the advent of social media and the Internet, which allows everybody to say whatever they want. That's great. But it puts the responsibility on you as a consumer to become more careful in what it is that you're consuming, to try to try to really verify what is the information that is in front of you, who's putting it out there, why are they putting it out there? You know, back in the day, you could only choose from one or two news outlets. Uh, and what you have now is you have hundreds, whether it's online or TV, cable, radio, podcasts, and you have to be the responsible one in this equation to say, I need to make sure I'm getting this from trusted, verified and vetted sources. Um, and diversifying them. Well, so we haven't been doing that. And that's why you have millions of people think that JFK Jr. is going to pop up in Dallas to run with Donald Trump in the yeah. 2024 presidential race. Well, I mean, you talk about when you go to interview people, one of them said, oh, well, you're on MSNBC. But right away, that's like saying, oh, you're fake news, right? I mean, it, yeah. it's, but here's the thing. There's not two sets of facts. The vaccine works. Joe Biden yeah. won the election. JFK Jr.'s dead. I mean, it's just, there are like, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, when people say Rachel Maddow's not the same as Sean Hannity. I mean, when people, you know, say, oh, well, you know, that's your opinion. This is my opinion. Some things are not opinion. And I don't know how we get back to that. Well, you um, I, I'm not sure that we will get back to that. I hate to say that. What we have to get to is we have to get to a baseline consensus that reality there is a reality out there. And then there is a alternate reality and there is a world of lies. So I, I'm not, you know, sitting here and comparing apples and oranges is almost kind of I, I don't think we're ever going to get back to a point where we can all say these are the trusted news journalists in our lifetime. What we have to focus on is shift a little bit to more responsible consumers of journalism, more responsible people who will say, I know what this is based on. I know this is not uh, true. I know this is a complete lie. I know that the election was not stolen. You know what I mean? And it's okay to have questions, but it's not okay to undermine this system because you believe in a lie that is willing to make you go and overthrow our constitutional process because you read something right. on the dark web. But it's you know? a lie that killed Roseanne Boyland. I mean, and, exactly. And, exactly. And, and, it's, way, and it's affecting millions of people in this country. And I think that we ignore it at our own risk. You know, if we don't take it seriously, I, and I know that we can, you know, kind of dismiss and and say, oh, JFK Jr. is coming back and we all ha- chuckle and laugh a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, Roseanne believed that Wayfair, which is a, you know, the shopping company online yeah. to buy furniture, was trafficking children in boxes across state lines using and that's what Wayfair was. I mean, it's it's you know, it's bonkers, but she believed it. And her family was like, you know, should we confront her about it? Should we not? And they kind of chuckled a little bit. I don't want to say chuckled, but they definitely didn't 
They didn't want to confront her about it, thinking that it may alienate her or isolate her. But here we are. The reality is not doing something about it, unfortunately, also led her to go down that rabbit hole further yeah. and further. Yeah. Now, Travis can tell you I've had a problem with the Wayfair wife in the commercial for a long time. I think she's kind of an emasculating <laughs> bitch. But I, it's, uh, well, it's a long ways from that, yes. too, that she's trafficking. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so. But Roseanne's death. I wanted to ask you about this quickly. Speaking of, you know, people having two views, right? I know you said some of the the other rioter you talked to thought the police killed her. The D.C. Med Examiner's Office said her death was acute um, amphetamine intoxication. Did you ever? Was that ever resolved, or what? What happened with that? So it's not specifically been resolved in the context of did the police kill her? And, and we tried to make this very clear in the podcast. This is what a lot of people in the right wing space have been saying, right? Because their narrative about January the 6th and you talk about how lies get born. Well, we are in we are watching a real time lie being born around January the 6th. You start hearing people refer to those that were there on January the 6th as patriots, that they were just simply there peacefully protesting. It was the police that attacked them. They were there to exercise their First Amendment rights. So now you're seeing in real time how this new lie around Roseanne is starting to come to light, which is the belief that Roseanne was killed by the police. Now, the truth is the family wants to figure out and the family's been very clear. They don't believe the police killed her, but they want to figure out what the last five minutes of her life were and whether there are unanswered questions about was she trampled to death? Did something that was in the air contribute to her death? Like, was she sprayed with something? Yeah. So all of those are legitimate questions that I think a family that wants to have closure about yeah. the death of the daughter have. But that's not what's happening. What you're seeing in the right wing, Steve Bannon, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're taking this and they're running away with it to say the police killed her, the police beat yeah. her, the police did. And right now, there is no video evidence to suggest that. Yeah. Well, you know, Eamon, I think it's such a uh, critical time and this is such a critical podcast. I mean, we talked Saturday night about, you know, we're in yeah. the middle of a pandemic that has killed nearly a million of us. And once again, it's not both sides do it. In the coverage yeah. of it, it should be clear that it is primarily red states and Trump voters that will not get vaccinated that is keeping us in this and Republican governors that are fighting everything to do with it. Vaccine mandate, vaccine mask mandates. And it's just here we are like, oh, well, it's all an opinion thing. And it's not an opinion. They, just quickly before you go with with all these bombshells on January 6th, because Roseanne was one of the foot soldiers. What do you think is the most significant thing that's happened just in these last 24 hours in terms of January 6th? I mean, for me, I think ultimately, you know, the fact that we have an investigation trying to figure out how high this went up the food chain and it's being stonewalled by everyone. I think that is very concerning and, and nobody is willing to cooperate of substance. I mean, the people are cooperating, but you obviously you're not getting the people that were close to the decision making power. And I think, you know, one of the frustrating things just to kind of button it up with what Roseanne's family was asking for and specifically Justin here, he was saying that the 25th Amendment should be invoked to remove Trump from office because they, he believes that Trump was responsible for inciting the crowd that led to Roseanne's death. And I think for all of us who've been watching this year unfold, it's hard to imagine that January the 6th would have happened without one person, Donald Trump. Yep. Nobody else, these people were there, people believed in the lie, people supported the lie, but there was one person that called all those people to January the 6th to DC yep. and then told them march on to the rally and it was Donald Trump. So I think that anyone who, tries to block the committee from getting to the bottom of that relationship, of that connection, um, is doing a massive disservice 
to the democracy of this country. I'm not talking about to the politics. I'm not talking about yeah. one party or just simply information. If we don't have a, a solid understanding of what happened on January the 6th, we are ripe to repeat it in the future with somebody who could be more sinister than Donald Trump, way smarter than Donald Trump, not as bombastic, could be doing yeah. it behind the scenes. Listen, at the end of the day, um, you had 140 plus members of Congress who supported Donald Trump in overturning mm -hmm. the election or at I least know. stopping the, the, the process. They were on the inside of Congress. Forget the people that were on the outside. Yeah. You already had 140 people on the inside. I think that's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Eamon, I, you are obviously way better at distilling all the news every day. Now that I have your cell phone number, I'm going to call you every day to get your help. <laughs> I didn't give it to Eamon. I'm putting the show together. Okay, Eamon, the podcast is yeah. just a, is a must, must listen American radical. And uh, as is his show every weekend on MSNBC, it was such an honor to be yeah. on it. And th please come back anytime. Likewise, you do the same. We'll see you on the weekend. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Eamon. There he goes. Eamon Moggy, MSNBC, American yeah. Radical. Get the podcast. Awesome.